0: You may be seated, everyone. Thank you, worship team. Good morning, everyone. So good to see you. I want to welcome those who are watching via live stream as well. Um, for those of you visiting, my name is Rich. I'm the lead pastor at New Life. And before I introduce our guest speaker, just a couple of things. Next week, as the announcements uh, mentioned, I just want to say it again before we get it, so we get it. Our Christmas Eve services are at 3 p.m., 5 p.m., and 7 p.m. Okay, if you come here at this time, next week, you're by yourself. Okay, so 3 p.m., 5 p.m., and 7 p.m., no morning services. And I want to encourage you to, to try to get here 20 to 30 minutes early because it is Christmas Eve. We are down the block from a mall, Queen Center Mall, and there are going to be a lot of people doing last-minute shopping, okay? And so it's going to just cause a lot of traffic, getting off the LIE and all that there. It's going to be a mess. Who still has Christmas shopping to do, by the way? Just raise your hand. Yes, I see you all. This prayer line right there at the end of the service. Uh, to give you the strength you need and the deals you need. Amen. Uh, For the end. So anyway, with that said, let me introduce our guest speaker. Um, Christine Lee is the vicar of uh, All Angels Church in the Upper West Side of Manhattan in the Anglican Episcopal tradition. The word vicar is just, you know, uh, their word for pastor or priest. And she was born in Indiana, spent some time in Maryland and in Chicago, and of course in uh, the New York area. Uh, she attended Moody Bible Institute and received her MDiv and her Master's of Theology from Trinity Evangelical Divinity School in Chicago, and she's in the process of completing her doctorate of ministry at Fuller Theological Seminary with a focus on uh, leading change. Uh, she has served as a campus minister with University Christian Fellowship at the U- University of Chicago got an university person here, and Columbia University. And in to- September of 2012, she became the first Korean-American woman ordained as a priest in the Episcopal Church, which is a really wonderful, wonderful thing. She lives in Harlem with her husband, Jimmy, and she loves running, hiking, eating, and talking about food. So she's right at home with New Life Fellowship Church here, right? I don't know about the hiking thing, but uh talking about food for sure. And I've been blessed by her preaching. I've been blessed by her friendship. We've had she preached at our racial reconciliation conference earlier this year. And you can watch that if you go on our New Life Fellowship page on YouTube, you can see what she did there as well. Just wonderful. And that's one of the reasons why I wanted to have her here because I was incredibly best, blessed by her preaching. And from time to time, you know, there are podcasts that I listen to of sermons, and I just jump on the All Angels website and just listen to to Christine preach and while I'm washing dishes and all that. It's just a wonderful, wonderful thing. And so this is her first time preaching on a Sunday morning. She's been here for another conference here, but this is her first time on a Sunday morning. And whenever we get someone here on a Sunday morning from the outside, we give them the biggest ovation we can. Give Christine a Queens Boulevard ovation as she comes up.
1: Oh, good morning new life I am so thrilled to be here. Um, I'm a huge, huge fan of this church. I always tell people, if I wasn't at All Angels, I would totally go to New Life. Um, it's um, I, I personally have been so blessed by the ministry here. I was glad to see the video that was shown about Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. We actually ran the Emotionally Healthy Relationships course at All Angels this, uh, this past fall, and it was such a powerful experience, people really digging in deeply into the brokenness of their past, of their families, and finding. New freedom in Christ, um, and so we at All Angels have personally been a beneficiary of the ministry of this church, and are just so grateful to you all and how you serve uh, the larger body of Christ, the world outside of uh, these four walls here. So I'm, I'm so glad to be here with you this morning. So the other day, um, I was standing on the subway platform at 145th Street in Harlem. I was getting ready to. Uh, Go to church, and I was waiting for my train. And I don't know what you're like on your commute, but I do not like to talk to people. So I don't want to, you know, I don't want anybody looking at me. I don't want anybody talking to me. Like, there's like this invisible cube around me, and it's like you cannot cross this barrier between us. And to be honest, like the feeling is mutual, right? Like, nobody wants me talking to them, you know, or me looking at them either, right? And so we're all there in our own little individual, invisible cubes when suddenly I smell smoke and everybody else you know they're all looking up too because they smell the same thing I do and then suddenly we are looking at each other we are talking to each other and people are saying do you smell that you know like where's it coming from it smells like something's burning like I don't see anything we're like looking down to that dark tunnel and we're try- I'm trying to find the source of that smoke and now suddenly that invisible barrier that existed between us is broken. You know, now we are bound by a common emotion, fear. And we're all looking down, you know, into that dark tunnel. We're half expecting this our subway train to come barreling out of the darkness, like train like shooting up in flames. You know, that's what we're expecting. But spoiler alert. The train did not come barreling out of the darkness on fire. It came up right onto the platform as it normally does. And so as it as the doors open, we're all still like a little apprehensive, right? Because we can all still smell the smoke. And so we're like stepping on the train and we're all looking at each other like, okay, you know, I don't know how this is going to turn out. We're all about to get into this sealed metal tube together and get thrust into the darkness. And we don't know there's something burning, down there in the darkness. So internally, you know, we're crossing our fingers. Some people are crossing themselves, saying the Hail Mary, you know, as we're stepping in this car. So spoiler alert, too, we all survived. Otherwise, I wouldn't be here in front of you today. But that moment, its only a few seconds, but that moment has, has stuck with me. Because for that one fleeting moment, we were all at the mercy of something that was out of our control. It didn't matter if we're black, white, Asian, Latino, Republican, Democrat, rich, or poor. You know, We felt our vulnerability, and we felt fear. And I think the reason why that moment has stuck in my mind is because it, it felt like a metaphor for our times. You know, people are afraid. You know, just across the board, like anxiety is is high in the air. And that's maybe true on some level all the time. But especially in these times, it feels a little bit more palpable. Like 2017 has been a rough year. It's been a rough year. Every time I look at the news, I'm like that little monkey, you know, like the see no evil, hear no evil, speak no evil. I'm like the little see no evil monkey where I'm like, I'm just like, oh, you know, what, I don't even want to look, you know, what, what new terrible things, we have terrorist attack or, you know, natural disaster. What's going to be on there today? Sometimes it's like facepalm, you know, you're facepalming. Like, what are government leaders going to do today? You know, what's going to happen? And I don't know what it's been like here at New Life, but at All Angels, it's been a rough year. And we went through a really unexpected and painful leadership transition that just left us reeling, you know, uncertain about what the future was going to hold. You know, there's so many people going through really difficult things, things like cancer diagnoses, children who are struggling with mental illness. You know, marriages that are falling apart, people with aging parents who are deteriorating. And so just taken all together with the personal, the relational, the social, the political, sometimes it's just felt like all too much. Well, Advent is a season of light and dark. It's light and dark side by side. And probably more than any other season in the church calendar, Advent expresses this already-not-yet of the kingdom of God. And in advent we feel the darkness of our world and its brokenness we feel our own internal darkness and like those characters in Luke's narrative in the story of the birth of Christ they were living in the darkness of Roman rule with unstable you know unpredictable powerful rulers not knowing what was going to happen. They knew the promises of God, and they were waiting, and they were hoping, but as of yet, the Messiah had not yet come. And yet again and again and again, the message that the angels delivered to them is be not afraid. It's be not afraid. But how do you do that? You know, how do you be not afraid? Like saying be not afraid is like me saying, don't think about chocolate. You know, don't think about chocolate right now. (laughs) See, you can't, you can't do it because you're all thinking about chocolate right now, right? So how do we respond to that be not afraid? afraid. Well, this morning, I want to look at the story of Mary in Luke 1. It's a very, very familiar story in the Christmas narrative. There's so much richness in this passage that I don't have time to get into today. But embedded in that story are three invitations that I believe the Lord has for us this morning. That whatever it is that you are feeling, whatever fears or anxieties are in your heart, that the Lord extends to us this invitation to surrender to worship, and to rejoice. So first of all is this invitation to surrender. So in our passage, it should be Luke 1.26. That's a typo that I made. It says, In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one. The Lord is with you. And this is a sixth month with her who was called barren, for nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. This is one of the most beautiful expressions of surrender in all of Scripture. It's maybe second only to Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane when he said, not my will, but your will be done. Surrender is ultimately about letting go of control. And we go about our lives always trying to control things, to control our circumstances, to control the other people in our lives, to control future outcomes. You know, and don't get me wrong, you know, when I say that surrender is about letting go of control, I'm not saying that we shouldn't do anything. You know, I'm not saying that we don't need to act responsibly in our world. Of course we do. Otherwise, it would just be mass chaos. You know, but more often than not, that need to control things comes from a darker place. And it's fear. You know, it's fear of what will happen if I let go. You know, what will happen if things don't turn out the way that I want them to? You know, what if I fail? What if suffering is involved? What if something bad happens? You know, so I, I've been in ministry for a, a long time. And a few years ago, I began to, to sense that the Lord was saying to me, this surrender success surrender success, like however success may have looked in my mind, you know, visible fruit, like the tangible results of my very hard work. And I had a really, really hard time letting that go. To be successful, like subconsciously in my mind, meant that God was blessing me You know, it meant that he loved me, that he favored me, that he was with me. And if I wasn't successful, like if I ended up failing, then I didn't have his blessing and his love and his favor. And it was almost like physically painful for me to even think about surrendering that. And so I kept saying, you know, God, don't you want me? I mean, don't you want us You know, all angels, of course, I would never make it about me. It's about us. You know, it's about us and our church. Don't you want us to be successful in what we're doing? I mean, our vision is to see people come to know Jesus. We want to see lives transformed. We want to see people sent out for mission. Like, that's what I mean by success, Lord. It's not about me. It's about you. Like, I'm doing this for you. So around this time, um, I read a book by Sandy Miller. He's the former rector of Holy Trinity Brompton. It's where the Alpha Course uh, originated. And so he talks about a time when he was attending a conference for pastors, and he was getting pumped up at this conference. So he was real excited. He went down to the ocean to pray. And as he was praying, he was saying to the Lord, Lord, I will do anything for you. I will go anywhere. I will do anything. You just Say the word, and I will do it. I want to be part of what you're doing in your kingdom. And then he says, he heard the Lord say this to him. Just very, very clearly. He heard the Lord say, Sandy, all I want is you. you know, all I want is you. And that just hit me like a ton of bricks. Like I was like, all you want is... Is me? Well, what about all this other stuff? You know, the fruit, the tangible results, the church growing, people coming to know Jesus. Like, don't you want me and all of these things too? And it's like I wanted God to want me and all of these other things. Because I wanted those things. I wanted that success. But he was saying, all I want is you, a Christine fully surrendered to me, more so than your success. So I'm going to assume that 99% of you have seen the movie Finding Nemo. And for the 1% of you who have not seen the movie, so Finding Nemo is this, this movie about a fish father named Marlon who has lost his son Nemo, and he's frantically searching the ocean for him. And there's this really sad backstory where Marlon had lost his wife and all of his other children in a shark attack. And he's always told Nemo, I'm never going to let anything bad happen to you. So he's searching the ocean with his friend Dory, and there's this famous scene where they get swallowed by this huge whale, or they're in this whale's mouth. And Marlon is terrified. He's just terrified. And Dory, on the other hand, she's just having the time of her life. She's like doing backstrokes in the whale's mouth, and she's like trying to talk to the whale and translate and listen. And Marlon is, he's, he's, he's freaked out. So at one point. Um, like, the, the whale kind of does this move, and he becomes kind of perpendicular. And all the water starts rushing into the whale's throat. And it's pulling Marlin and Dory down with it. So Marlin is terrified that the whale just wants to eat them. And so they're, like, hanging onto the side of the whale's tongue. And then the whale starts speaking, like in whale speak. And Dory's, like, listening, and she's trying to understand. And then she goes, OK. And then she jumps off the whale's tongue. And then Marlon grabs her fin you know, before she falls. Here's the, the, the moment in the movie. And then, so she tells him, the whale says, it's time to let go. Everything's going to be all right. And Marlon is like, how do you know? How do you know something bad isn't going to happen? And then Dory says, I don't. And in that moment, you see Marlin's face change. And he knows that he has to let go. And so here's the moment, right before he lets go. (laughs) And so he lets go, and they actually do get swallowed by the whale. But then, if you've seen the movie, the whale shoots them up out of his spout, you know, into the ocean. So Marlin did not trust the intentions of the whale. You know, he didn't trust that the whale was good and that the whale wasn't going to eat them. And that's why he could not let go. And what I began to realize that that at the heart of my inability to let go and surrender success is that I didn't believe that God was good. I didn't believe that if I failed and fell flat on my face, that he would have my back. You know, I was afraid of failure, afraid of what would happen if I failed, you know, that somehow that was going to just be the end. So a friend of mine once asked me, you know, knowing my neuroses about success and achievement, she asked me, what was Mary's success? Like, what did Mary achieve? What was her achievement? And as I thought about it, I realized that her achievement, if you could call it that, was her surrender to God. She let the Holy Spirit come upon her. And she didn't cling to her reputation she didn't even cling to her dreams about the future, which would have been the same as any young Jewish girl, that girl meets boy, and girl and boy get married, and girl and boy have a child and start a family. But Instead, her response to God was, here I am, the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. You know, I'd always imagined that moment of her saying that and, you know, just imagining her, as you often see pictures of Mary, just of her calm and serene and unperturbed as she's saying that. But, you know, as I get older, I imagine now that scene of her saying that with tears just streaming down her face because she knew what she had to let go of to allow herself to fall into the hands of the mighty God. And sometimes, you know, the face of of surrender is this. Sometimes that's what the face of surrender is like. And so this morning, I want to ask you, what do you need to surrender to the Lord? What do you need to surrender to the Lord? And this leads me to the second invitation, which is worship. So in this passage, we skip through Mary's visit to Elizabeth, to Mary's song, the Magnificat. And the song goes like this. It says, Mary says, "'My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has looked on the humblest estate of his servant. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name.'" And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. So what does it mean to magnify something? You know, to magnify means to enlarge, to increase, to exalt. And let me be clear here that the Lord is already large. You know, he's already big. He's already greater than our minds can even conceive. So nothing that we think or say or do or feel can change that. But notice here that Mary says, my soul magnifies the Lord. She's talking about the perspective of her soul, how her soul sees the Lord. So, you know, we have all these instruments that that magnify objects, right? So there can be a star in the sky that's millions of miles away. But if you look at a telescope like this, you like something that's millions of miles away and huge comes in front of you. Like it's like right like the, the hand in front of your face. It comes that close. Or you can take a magnifying glass and you can put it on like this tiny little ant. And then that that magnifying glass magnifies that ant. So it's big enough that it looks like it could bite your hand off. Right? It does that. So here's my question to you this morning. What is your soul magnifying? What is your soul magnifying? So we look at the news. You know, we see war with North Korea looming large on the horizon. And we look at the president of the United States. We look at Senate, at Congress. We look at these laws that are being passed around, immigration, and tax reform. And those things loom large. We look at the issues affecting our communities, our families, the things that we're struggling with work, our finances, our health, our internal fears and security, insecurities. All of these things loom large. They are magnified to us. And you know, don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to make light of these things and say that they're really small. They are serious and they are real. But what I want to ask you this morning is, what is your soul magnifying? In Another, what is dominating the landscape of your consciousness right now? Mary says, my soul magnifies the Lord. And what she's saying there is she's saying that there's a reality out there that is greater than anything that may litter that landscape of my consciousness. And it's this. And his name will be called Jesus. He will be great and he will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. So surrender is just another word for worship, right? Because it's saying to the Lord, Lord, I laid down my crown. I laid down my need for control. And I humbly admit that you are God and that I am not. That you are the King of kings and the Lord of lords alone. And your word, as it says in the prophet Isaiah, that you sit enthroned above the circle of the earth, and the rulers of the earth are like grasshoppers. King Herod, Pontius Pilate, Kim Jong-il, Donald Trump are like grasshoppers in your hand. And you are the Lord of history. And that whatever happens in this life, even death itself, that you are greater than all of those things. And I worship you, I fix my eyes on you and on you alone. What is your soul magnifying? Years ago, I was talking with um, Sue Pinkusoff, who I know comes here uh, to New Life. And I was just pouring out my soul to her. And I was telling her about um, this passage that I read in a book by Henry Nouwen, where he talks about the first time he met Mother Teresa. And he said that the first time he met Mother Teresa, that the thing that struck him about her the most is that he said, quote, her inner attention was constantly focused on Jesus. Her inner attention was constantly focused on Jesus. I mean, how remarkable is that, right? Like, what would it be like if the first thing that people thought of when they met you for the first time was that your inner attention was constantly focused on Jesus, I just told her, I just, I long for that. I wish I could be like that. And then she looked at me with that steady, soul piercing gaze of hers. And she said, Christine, always remember that you are a worshiper first. Always remember that you are a worshiper first. She didn't say, you know, you need to become a worshiper, or you need to learn how to worship God more. She said, you are a worshiper first. That's who you are. That's your identity. And it's a matter of not striving or feeling like you need to reach some, some goal or be something that you're not, but it's living out of who you already are. And the magnetic pull of the world, may cause the compass of your soul to get turned around, but your true soul's orientation was created to point to true north, which is Christ. That's who you are. So this morning, I ask you, where is your true north? What is your soul magnifying? So the invitations that the Lord gives us this morning is to surrender, It's to worship. And finally... It's to rejoice. So Mary goes on in her song, and she says, My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed, for he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name, and his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. Mary rejoiced, because she knew that the Lord saw her. He saw her in her humble estate. But she rejoiced not only because he saw her, but that she knew that there was this larger story that her little story was being woven into. And that story had implications not only for her, but for the whole world. So my husband, uh, Jimmy, and I, we love going to the Adirondack Mountains upstate to go hiking. And did you know that there is this huge mass of land right above New York City, and it's called New York State? I didn't know. It's huge, unbelievably huge and beautiful. And now we love it. You know, so one summer, we went up there for vacation, and I remember just feeling so desperate at that point, so riddled with fears and anxieties. And I I just wanted God to just take it away from me. And it's like I knew theoretically in my mind you know, that I needed to let go of control. I knew I was being sort of selfish and self-centered. I was allowing just lies of the evil one to control me. And I could see the truth, and I wanted to embrace it, and yet somehow it didn't seem to change anything. And I was just desperate. I was frustrated that God wasn't helping me. So I started this practice, um, of interactive journaling. Maybe some of you do this. Where I, where I would write what I, well, I would write what I was in my own heart. And then I would, I would just spend some time in listening prayer and then just start to write, like not overthink it, but just write what I sensed God was saying to me, like a conversation. So one morning, um, as I brought these things to the Lord and I just started writing his response, and I just felt these words flow. So this is like verbatim from my journal he said, you know, Christine, you are not a child anymore. You know, you have known me your whole life and sought me and walked with me. And you said that you wanted to be like me, and that means growing up into maturity. And I want to make you more like me. And every experience that you have gone through and are going through is forming you and shaping you little by little to be more like me. This is not random, but it's all part of my divine purpose, making you what I have created and intended you to be. You must decide to choose me in every circumstance. Choose rest. Choose trust. Choose hope. Choose joy. Yes, choose joy. I commanded you to rejoice. There is a new spiritual discipline for you. Joy sometimes springs up unbidden, and sometimes it must be fought for as though it was the most precious treasure in the world. And in choosing joy, you are choosing the kingdom. You are choosing me. And I had this picture in my mind of me just kind of hunched over my little desk, you know, just with all my fears and my concerns and my worries. And in the meantime, I was in the Adirondacks. God wanted to show me the sun and the stars and the mountain and the, the sky. And I was realizing that in choosing him, I was choosing to make room for him. To choose, choose to believe that he is in every situation. Choosing to believe all the fullness and the possibility and the hope that's present because he is. And that when we enlarge the space, that space in our heart and mind for him, that we are expanding our capacity to receive the good gift that God wants to give to us. I just sense God's longing of him saying, Christine, how I long for you to see all the goodness that I have in store for you. It is already all there. This is a picture of uh, one of our parishioners, Eva, and she's lighting the Advent wreath. So as Jackie was saying earlier, today is the third Sunday of Advent. It's um, traditionally called Gaudete Sunday. And Gaudete is Latin for rejoice. That comes from Philippians 4.4, where Paul writes, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say it, rejoice. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, the shalom of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. I said at the beginning that Advent is this season of light and dark together, where we feel that already not yet tension, you know, of God's kingdom in our world and in our lives. The reason why that the candle here is pink instead of the more traditional purple of Advent is that the mood is lightened. You know, we choose joy in the midst of sorrow. We choose joy in the midst of our age of fear and anxiety. Because to choose joy is to choose the kingdom and it's to choose the king above all else. You know, this, it's this smile, you know, on Eva's face as she's lighting up the darkness with the light of Christ because the light has shined in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. And that's the message, brothers and sisters, that our fear filled world desperately needs to hear. But here's the thing. How can we preach this message of freedom from fear because of Jesus when we ourselves are bound and riddled with fears? How can we preach what we do not know ourselves? It's like that message, um, that song of Zechariah earlier in Luke 1 where he says, He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David to rescue us from our enemies and to enable us to serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days because of the tender mercy of our God by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven to shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the path of peace. That is our message to the world. And when the people of God are surrendered, and when we worship and magnify the Lord, when we rejoice, that is the picture of the freedom that the King has come to bring us and bring our world. Freedom from fear, freedom from the tyranny of sin, death, and the devil. That is how we live out that exhortation, be not afraid, surrender, worship, and rejoice. And so as we close, I want to invite you to stand with me and I'm going to invite the worship team to come up here. I want us to just take a moment of reflection before the Lord, to just get quiet in your own heart before God. Just allow the Lord to speak to you this morning. I just want to ask that question to you. What is it that you need to surrender to the Lord this morning? What do you need to let go of? Where are those places in your life that you have been just gripping, just control over, just unable to let go I just invite you even now in a a gesture of surrender to just hold your hands out before the Lord. Just say, God, I give this to you. Just imagine whatever that is in your hands. Maybe it's your children. And maybe it's your spouse. Maybe it's your work or your finances or your health. Maybe it's the state of our country or our world. Whatever it may be, just hold that in your hands. And to remember as Isaiah said, that our God is seated on the throne of the universe. He sits enthroned in the kings of the earth, the problems of the earth. We ourselves, were like grasshoppers before him. I just want to invite you to reflect on What is your soul magnifying this morning? What's looming so large on the horizon of your consciousness? This morning, Mary speaks to us. She challenges us when she says, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. I invite you even now to just go from a, just holding your hands out to just holding your hands and worship before the Lord, to magnify Him this morning, to magnify the name of Jesus, the King who has come, the King who is coming, the King who comes to us right now, to our world right now. Just magnify Him and to choose Him this morning, to choose joy, to choose the kingdom, to choose the King. We worship you, God. We magnify you, Jesus. We come before you, God, and we say there is no one who is greater than you, God. But we know that there are many in our world who would try to wield power, and God, yet they are nothing in your sight, God. And Jesus, we come before you, we worship you, our King. God, we lift ourselves up to you. We surrender, Lord, ourselves to you. God, we hear you saying, all I want is you. Just wholly and fully yours, God. That's what we long for. And God, we pray, would you give us the grace, Lord, that our inner attention would be constantly focused on you, Jesus. Lord, may this church be known as a church of people whose inner attention is constantly focused on Jesus. Lord, may this church be known as, as men and women who are free from the tyranny of fear and sin and death. Men and women who say no to the anxiety of this age. Men and women who know who sits on the throne because that they can rejoice in the midst of sorrow. That they can rejoice in the midst of pain. That they can rejoice in the midst of uncertainty. So, God, we come before you, Lord. We surrender to you, God. We worship you, O God, and we rejoice in you always. And all God's people said, "Amen, Amen." Yes, and it is true. God bless you.
0: service, I want to invite our prayer team to come to my left. We have the Lord's table to my right. Let's just thank God for Christine and her gift to us today in teaching. And I love the simplicity of those three words, surrender, worship, and rejoice. And really, there are two questions that she offered that I'm taking with me into this week. Uh, as Christmas approaches, you know, what do we need to surrender, and what is your soul magnifying? And these are two powerful questions. And for some of us, we need to surrender. It is true; we need to surrender our need for success, our need for achievement. For some of us, we need to surrender an obsession we have with a particular outcome we want to see in life. We want—we have plans for our lives. We have an agenda, and oftentimes we have an obsession that it needs to happen this way this time and in this fashion and the invitation for us in this Advent season is to let go of of control the same way that Mary did letting go of whatever outcome she had in mind and I wonder today what is your soul magnifying you know fear has a way of having us magnify particular things and minimize who God is and whenever we gather on Sunday mornings we're gathered together to put God in our soul as it were on the right place we are magnifying him and minimizing the fears that we have and often what happens sometimes fear has a way of making things because the way we magnify it so much bigger than it really is and we look back and we go wow I was fearful and and look how it turned out Surely there are situations in our lives that uh, come and tragedy strikes, but often our fear is misguided and misdirected and magnified in such a way that we lose sight of who Jesus is. And so today our souls are to magnify the Lord and place him in the proper perspective. Well, he is the one who rules and he is the one who reigns. And so our prayer team is here. Listen, we come into church every Sunday with fears, with addictions, with hangups, ups with with, all, with anxiety and, and God in the name of Jesus wants to deliver you. He wants to set you free. He wants to pour out joy on you and peace on you. A joy that makes no sense to the world. A peace that passes all understanding. And the reason we end with prayer is because we believe that there is a unique anointing of the Holy Spirit whenever we pray for each other to break off yokes that's on our necks. To destroy burdens that are weighing us down. And so for whatever need you have, whatever uh, situation you're coming against, don't leave out of here without someone praying for you. And to my right, we have the Lord's table where we come and we are reminded of the depth and the extent of Jesus' love for us, where we take bread and we dip it in the cup and we are reminded that this is the God who came, Emmanuel, God with us, God dying for us, God raised up for us. And whenever we take the bread and we dip it in the cup, we are reminded of the presence, the love of jesus towards us and so whether you're coming up for prayer whether you're coming up for to receive the bread and the cup i i want to invite you to do that after i bless you and christine's going to be downstairs in the lobby area and so i know many of you would just want to thank her for her ministry to us this morning and meet her so she'll be downstairs as well but as we close let me invite you to open your hands towards heaven to receive a blessing those of you who are watching online wherever you're at in front of your phone in front of your computer uh, open your hands as well to receive a blessing with your hands in a posture of receiving brothers and sisters and sons and daughters of the living God may the Lord bless you and may he keep you may he shine his face upon you and fill you with peace may you walk out of this building in the power of the Holy Spirit with the grace upon your life to let go with the grace upon your life to magnify the Lord and as you magnify the Lord this week, may your fears begin to get smaller. And may the Lord Jesus reign in you, in your soul and in your life. And may you be an ambassador of joy wherever you go this week. As we await for Christ's coming, may the joy of the Lord fill you to overflow. And so I bless you all today in the strong, In the beautiful and the joyful name of Jesus. And all God's people said, amen. Grace and peace to you all.